Hello, welcome back. This is Business Matters. You can contact us around the clock on world.business at bbc.co.uk. I'm on Twitter at Fergus Nickel. Now, move over Silicon Valley. Today we take you up to Silicon Forest. Zooming up the West Coast to Portland, Oregon and its thriving tech scene. A growing number of companies have made that move north. So what are the ingredients that make it a fertile ecosystem for tech startups? And what can other tech hubs learn? Over to Alison. Thanks, Fergus. I took the 90-minute flight north of Silicon Valley to Portland, known as Silicon Forest, as you say, and it it does have a thriving tech scene. And I wondered if Silicon Valley has anything to fear from this growing startup scene. So I met with Jonathan Evans. He's a Black Hawk pilot and is now CEO of Skyward, a drone management startup. Here's what he said. If you haven't been to Portland, you have to come. It is one of the most magnificent cities on earth. It's a beautiful, culturally rich city that is a sort of urban patchwork of villages that are pedestrian scaled. This culture is wonderful at supporting innovation and technology and big, bold ideas. This is a pioneering place. We are anchored by Intel's largest campus here. The Moore's Law driving machine that's producing all the chips sits here, and there's a whole constellation of hardware companies that have come out of that ecosystem. Although Evans visits Silicon Valley twice a month to meet with clients and investors, he's not tempted to relocate his business. I don't think there's ever a part of me that kind of wants to stay. We live well, and we really, really appreciate it. And, you know, if you look at it tenaciously as a businessman, I mean, it's half to a third the cost of living here. And that translates to the salaries that we have to pay. That translates to the rent that we have to pay. Everything that comes into building a lean, venture-backed tech startup. And that cheaper cost of doing business has caught the attention of high-priced, highly congested Silicon Valley. Tech companies like Google, Airbnb, Salesforce and eBay have already moved some facilities to Portland. They tend, however, to be the support or back-end part of today's tech ecosystem. On the right trigger, we have acceleration. And then on the left trigger, we have, we have braking. Polysync, a software startup in the self-driving car sector, recently relocated to Portland from Idaho. I spoke with the CEO, George Hartung. Why did he choose Portland and not Silicon Valley? Silicon Valley is always at the cutting edge. You, know, you have the best people in the world are in Silicon Valley, this sort of hyper new type stuff where you're seeing machine learning and autonomous driving really being pushed. For us, that wasn't so important. We're infrastructure builders. So we want people that are, are good at the plumbing. We want solid engineers that build back end. For a big-picture view across the Willamette River in downtown Portland, to talk with Skip Newbury, the president of the Technology Association of Oregon. We're still relatively immature when it comes to the development of the Portland region as a true technology hub. So we don't quite have the, the deep bench that exists in a place like Silicon Valley. And, and yet he's bullish about Portland's growth potential. A recent report showed that Portland's tech talent pool grew 28% over three years, even faster than Silicon Valley's. Newbury says a focus on talent, access to capital and the regulatory environment is helping. 
He's convinced that public-private partnerships in education and the Internet of Things will help create the right ecosystem for startups. One area that we've been really active in in the last couple of years has been smart cities, the Internet of Things, leveraging Portland's reputation internationally as a global hub for urban planning and transportation systems. We've been really trying to focus on the, the biggest challenges that cities face. Skip Newbury, uh, one of the visionaries, uh, one of the uh, people believing that Portland has the vision. And I guess, uh, Alison, nice piece. Thanks. Uh, I guess, um, you know, it, it's got there's got to be an there's got to be uh, an, an environment that fosters this. So you have to have state authorities. You've got to have maybe maybe even federal interest in making sure that, the, the you know, the good news is spread across the states. It's just not just Silicon Valley. Absolutely. I think the ecosystem that Silicon Valley has is second to none. And that was something that came up again and again as I talked with various startup founders. There isn't that deep base, deep bench of people, experienced people, but the venture capital. Just, just the... explain that, that phrase, deep bench. I, I kind of think <laughs> I know what it means. but do... Okay, I think that that's probably a baseball term. And basically, it means experienced business people, angel investors, venture capital, people who have started companies and scaled them up, made them big, made them from a startup to the size of Google, Facebook, etc. So that's what they mean by deep bench. It's a relatively young tech hub. And so they're still establishing that talent base because what Silicon Valley has that is hard to replicate around the world, it's got it's got this self-perpetuating cycle. You've got the innovators, the risk takers, the early adopters, and it all self-enforces there's a cycle going on because the people who are self-perpetuating, yeah, the people who are successful become angel investors, become venture capitalists. And so they're all focused because they're here in Silicon Valley, despite our connected world, doing business, you know, eye to eye contact is still important. Parag, kind of listening to to that and to, to the voices from Portland, reflect on what you've heard, perhaps, but also a direct question, is there endless room for such hubs or should there be endless room or should it be focused? Well, it was a great piece and I have been to Portland uh, for the first time last year and the geography does matter as well as the cost of living. It's very well located, very close to the Vancouver-Seattle corridor, which is of course a very wealthy, high quality infrastructure, diversified businesses, also a lot of uh, talent spilling over from there and obviously sales opportunities for Portland-based companies into that market. And then, uh, you know, as the story reflected, borrowing talent or or leaking, if you will, talent, sp- talent spilling over from Silicon Valley. So the geography of Portland is wonderful for this and people can live in between these two great um, you know sort of uh, very deep bench uh, you know economic Mm. zones and clusters and yet have a very high quality of life and affordable cost of living. So where is this happening in Southeast Asia? About a year ago we were reporting from Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam and they were clearly making an effort to to kind of do a facsimile Silicon Valley partly straightforward uh, big um, you know, big multinationals having branches in in South Vietnam, but also, uh, you know, really focusing on these very young generation, um, really fantastically inventive uh, tech types, many of whom had come over from the US already. Uh, Absolutely. But really trying to build that kind of yeah. parallel world. 
you know, there is obviously a decades-long history of people-to-people exchange now uh, with, with Vietnam since the war, and you've had this recirculation of Vietnamese talent from California back to, to Vietnam. And yes, the, the large multinationals have been coming, but uh, as this story is really focused on you know, the digital workforce, you can find pockets in Ho Chi Minh City and Hanoi of programmers and coders, and they do even a bit of AI. They do mobile app development, and a lot of companies in Singapore use Vietnam as their as their coding hub. It's low cost, hardworking, um, you know, very, very talented. And you're starting to see these digital pockets uh, pop up around this region. Manila has mo- most certainly become one. Yeah. Uh, Manila now has really taken over the, the back office BPO, business process outsourcing market, taken over pole position from India, for example. Very, very, pr- the... very proudly so as well. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we went to Manila on the same trip and, and the, quite some quite small companies, but some really visionary people involved. Yep. Um, so let me pick up another phrase that Alison used, and, and I'd be interested to know what this means in the American context, because again, there's an Indian parallel. Um, smart cities. What does that mean in the US? Yes. Well, I mean, you know, smart city has this sort of connotation and people visualize a brand new greenfield, shiny, high rise development with only, you know, driverless or electric cars and lead certified zero emissions buildings. And there are greenfield projects like that popping up in various places like in uh, Songdo, new economic city outside of uh, Seoul, between Seoul and Incheon in South Korea, places like that. But mostly when we say smart city, what we really mean is how can we take our existing cities and make them a bit smarter. You know, how can we have less traffic and less congestion, more bicycle lanes, more public availability of, of data uh, for companies to use that data to build more apps and services and so forth. And that, that you see happening around the U.S. in a number of cities. It can be Pittsburgh. It can be, you know, which is one of the first cities to now have a driverless car test bed. Uh, it can obviously be San Francisco. Um, but generally speaking, you know, we see the smart city phenomenon happening more outside the U.S. than in the U.S. in more dense, compact, sustainable cities as in Europe, um, you know, places like Singapore, of course, where there's a huge investment in the so-called Smart Nation program. So uh, in the American context, it can definitely work. Of course, so many of these technologies do originate in the United States. It's just that the public sector is less uh, progressive about implementing them as as rapidly as it could or should. Yeah, that's interesting. That, Paris already answered past the question, Alison, but, but to you then, you know who is driving it in the US if it's happening from from uh, the west coast right over to pittsburgh and and is is it right that the it is the the visionary um you know private uh, the, the personalities very often driving this and and the public sector struggling to keep up from what i heard in portland they talk about this public private partnerships that tech companies are partnering with the academic world in portland they're also partnering with the policymakers to come up with strategies that will make transport more efficient the planning process more efficient but i agree with what parag was saying i think in europe where cities tend to be denser rather than these suburbs going on and on and on here that it is easier to make these smart cities more efficient and smarter. You can connect yeah. with the autonomous cars, smart lights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 